Man, it's so, it's so crazy because, like, you know, people come up and they're like, Django's gone, you're recording the podcast. That means it's going to be a good one, right? Because <laughs> we're going to have wine. And, uh, <laughs> and I just, it's so great to me that everyone recognizes that, like, you know, those wine night, no Django podcasts are just, the, those, are the, those are the podcasts, you know? <laughs> in fact, like, Django, like, I had people coming in this morning saying, like, I hear Django's not around. That means I'm going to listen this week. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I I don't get it. I like him. How but many how many people did this? Is this like I had six people this morning come six? in off the street, <laughs> people that weren't even customers, and they were just saying like, "Man, I'm so." And they were saying things like, "I'm so jacked," or "I'm so jazzed," you know, "I'm so juiced I'm up." Zapped. I'm zapped out on the idea of not having to listen to Django this oh. week, you know. God, I mean, he's just got such a garbage voice. And garbage opinions. His opinions are certainly what is most garbage about him. Yeah. yeah it's weird. He's got that like pseudo cracker Cajun accent. And then Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, man. That's our boss. That guy owns Whoa. this store. Oh, Jesus. yeah, that's right. He, uh, that's why he didn't give me a check. Okay. That was, oh, I forgot to look for your check. <laughs> I'll do it later. Uh, <laughs> Whoa, man. I take it back. I was just making all that stuff. I'm just jealous because I can't do a Cajun accent. Can't do it now. What We're, is a Cajun accent? Like, like. Gambit. Remy LeBeau, yeah. <laughs> Who is Remy LeBeau? Gambit. Gambit. Who is Gambit? From X-Men? <laughs> Any way you could give me some voice? He always says, says uh, Cher, Mon Cher. Yeah, Le I'm Cher? hearing the words Hear- that he would say, but I'm not hearing like what. Look like they're going to be a barbecue, and we're going to be the main course. <laughs> Man, I know <laughs> that Okay, so first and foremost, I want to say that Braden, that was a great, Im- yeah, that was awesome. Im- like whatever that Im- improvise impersonation. Thank you. That's a word that should be easier to come for me. Um, welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast. Hi. Um, sponsored by the Comics Place, Bellingham, Washington's premier comic book podcast. Uh, where every Tuesday we go and acquire a whole bunch of illustrated fiction and bring it back to this here uh, hallowed comic book shop in the bookmobile and sort them and count them and bring them all into our subscribers' files. And then we take a big stack of those books that we're excited about, we bring them home, we give them a good read-through. We did this just yesterday. We did this just yesterday. It's amazing. Um, And then we bring them back here and turn those books (laughs) alchemy-like into golden opinions. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We got a big big cauldron up here. We put throw all the books in and mix it up. I don't think we're ever going to be on the brothers' radar. I would love them. <laughs> no, like you, you just heard them. They read comics. They know what's. That's true. You're right. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then we take those uh, alchemy-like golden opinions and bring them up here and share that we sort of spitball them off of one of each other in these Dude. sort of hallowed comic book halls, these sanctified sanctorum of comic book. Spitting um, all over these beautiful relations, just getting a good old spit <laughs> slapping on them. Um, and we we have conversations really mostly rooted in conversation uh, uh, tangents, if you will, um, about our lives, the shop. Fuck, man! The comings and goings. The comings and goings <laughs> is like a statement that is great, but I forget that the comings and goings of our lives. And I oh. say lives, shop, and then comings and goings, and that's when I realize I oh. done messed it up. Yeah. Um, 
It's all jazz, baby. It all it's works. all jazz. So make it all work. It's we, all baby. We, it's uh, all coming we, and going. We bring it's it all. Yeah, we bring it all together and let it flow. Yeah, I, I'm Jeff Figley, and I don't care about sharps or flats when it comes to jazz music. I'm Brayden, and I'm a new age wine man today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm and I'm Robin, and I'll do some ska for you later. Oh, some ska! Um, it was a cute thing today because Darcy and I were talking about ska music, and Roman started talking about it with us. But he clearly thinks that ska is actually scat. Um, <laughs> which <Damn>. is when, <laughs> That's you, <laughs> when you improvise words and melodies. Oh, wait, what's ska? <laughs> ska is like a sort of punk rock music that incorporates a lot of horn sections and saxophones oh. and jazz music. Street Light Manifesto. And Mustard Plug are like Damn. the two sort of big ones that I think of. And none of us thought to correct you when you were adorably <laughs> scatting at us. <laughs> oh, how embarrassing. No, it was oh. cute. We both adore uh, you. I better go back to the barn. And I wouldn't speak I'm for a farm Darcy. kid. I don't know what my music uh, genre is. I wouldn't, I wouldn't speak for Darcy either. Uh, I take it back. I thought you were adorable she probably <laughs> oh, you. judged you we need to get darcy to listen to this podcast so we can have her hear all of the we real do. mean oh, things man. that we say she's about got so it. many comics to read now and movies to watch so many comics and movies to watch darcy's a real superstar here at this shop you know who else is a superstar ty and trevor yeah superstar guys downstairs probably both of them downstairs right now playing dice masters and reading aquaman wow i, I thought didn't know that Ty came in today. Uh, Tyson uh, was on Thursday. No, yeah. yeah, well, I was just sort of combining the two oh. defining interests that I have tapped to their personalities with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's your defining interest, Jeff? Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. I would say is probably the defining interest that I have. Yeah, same. Yeah. You guys, I, I, the boys know this. Um, maybe we'll use it as an intro. I don't know. But I real fucked up. Django's not here today. And I was going to I was gonna buy us a bottle of wine. And I ended up inadvertently buying us a bottle of... Brayden, why don't you give us a... Uh, why don't you tell me what this bottle I, is that I bought? This is New Age uh, Tinto Dulce Naturally Sweet. Uh, I got a quote for you. Get, get send that quote my way experience the magic of new age refreshingly sweet possessing the juicy freshness of just picked cherries and raspberries perfume of roses and violets new age red should be enjoyed chilled as a refreshing aperitif or to accompany light meals open a bottle and discover the seductive flavors of new edge red wine man that was good. They should pay you to be a voice for them. What they yeah. don't say anywhere on there is that it's a carbonated wine that was purchased in a room temperature room. For babies. And is for babies. It's almost no alcohol percentage. I just thought, well, that's a twist-off wine bottle, and that's good right. for me because we don't have a wine opener here. And oh, Django's right. not here, and we needed a bottle of wine. Yeah. It's got a little alcohol. I mean, I can feel it a little bit. I mean, I've been guzzling it, but... Roman gu- guzzled in a muzzle once again. Guzzled. I um I love it. I love sweet stuff. Uh, I don't know why alcohol has to taste bad for it to be effective. I know. But, uh, I agree. <laughs> it definitely tastes like exactly what it is when it is poison, mm-hmm. which is what all alcohol seems to be to me. Yeah, I guess it's poison. This thing. It seems a lot like poison to me. Gosh. And I don't mean that sweet band that I know Roman's thinking about trying to make a reference to right now. I was just, th- I know. it was one of their songs running through my head. I was thinking Street Fighter. <laughs> Street Fighter? Yeah, Poison. You guys, we got a handful of books here. I think this week we're going to sort of introduce them as they come. Make sure oh, right? we get creators. Sure. Uh, oh, it's yeah. going to be a surprise um, for our listeners. It's, it's, we gotta, speaking yeah. of surprises, though, yeah. there, is, oh, oh. there is stuff in these books yes. that we're going to talk about content? relating to like their content. Ooh. Plot points. Ooh. Revelations. Plot twists. Ah, yeah. Magical twists. Overshadows. On a Um. So there's <laughs> going to be, guys, there's going to be a content warning tonight on tonight's wine night. 
Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that everyone is is in here. They've read the books. Um, I wouldn't, unless you are not a person who cares about spoilers, I would, I would steer clear of this for now. Go get your books, pick them up, come back, listen to the podcast, and then if you like what we say about them, come back and get them after that. But we've got some spoilers here. we got a little content coming your way. So um, we got Jughead, The Hunger, number one, story by Frank Thierry, art by Pat and Tim Kennedy. It's a real confusing thing to call this issue number one when there was definitely an issue before it. Yeah. There was. Well, a, a one-shot prelude, as it were. They, I mean, I, I think they weren't expecting it to be a whole series. Yeah. Um, so, of course, it has a one on it. But So, Braden, you're a guy who loves Jughead. And spooky things. Well, I love Jughead. Uh, and spooky things are pretty cool. Is this the same artist as the first issue? I don't think it is. It this, doesn't seem like yeah, it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it is. This art seems real Adam Kubert beginning of Master Racy to me. Yeah, I I didn't like it that much. The art or all of it? The art and all of it. <laughs> Damn, oh, I hate well, saying that because I was really excited for it. I know, I'm Because I liked the one-shot a lot. The one-shot, yeah, the one-shot was awesome. So what was so different from this from the one-shot? Because I didn't read the one-shot and I read this one and I thought the story was was totally serviceable and I thought the art was pretty rough and I thought that there was one real good jump scare in here when somebody done gets sliced up. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see, I didn't, I didn't care for the art. And it was okay, but it just wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, no, it was. It wasn't fine, scary enough. But it didn't grab me like the first one did. It wasn't atmospheric. That's what it was. Um, <laughs> oh, I think it's Gene. Like something hack, actually. I Alex believe. Ross. Is it hack? Something hack, I believe, is the artist. Yeah. Wow, we're not doing anybody any services here. Come to our shop where we know all about yeah. comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we actually know it when we're on the floor. Robert um, Hack did the interior art in number two or in number zero, and he did this cover on. Okay. okay, I think he was the artist then yeah. on the one shot. Also, prelude. that that first uh, that fir- the one shot had that nice uh, different stock yeah, on it. That the after paper. Archie uses, yeah, it's like a almost a granulated thing. Really gets me in a spooky mood. I guess one thing I want to talk about real quickly is is Raiden. I've learned in the last two days that you're really fond of Jughead. Yeah. So first of all, did you grab that cover? Oh yeah. Okay, I'm gonna insist that you take that cover home. I did. I did. Good. B. Tell me about the Jughead appeal. Jughead just doesn't give a fuck. Oh. And he likes burgers and pizza and hot dogs. I bet he eats the shit out of some chicken strips. Oh, I bet he would. And I bet he wouldn't put anything on them. He might. That's, Ketchup? Yeah. Listen, I can't I can't be... I can only aspire to Jughead. I can't be Jughead. Are you not into Chup? You're not a Chup guy? What the fuck is Chup? I'm going to uh, say the same thing. What? <laughs> wow. Um, this is like when we were talking about Eminem. This is we're not seeing eye to eye. Um, chup, ketchup. The oh, tomato chup. juice. Oh, chup. The tomato lifeblood. No, I don't oh. like. Uh, I don't like uh, most sauces in general. Displease okay. me. Right. I, and I know that, but chup is such a standardized thing. It's red salt. It's red salt. That's the guts of a tomato family you're eating there. <laughs> um, Jughead. Mm. I don't know. He's just like this weird. Like, the Archieverse, like, Riverdale is so normal and, like, clutz the old Archie. He's got the two girls that he's into, and he's a weird... Yeah, it's like a normal high school. <laughs> and then Jug is just kind of, like, on the outside, like, you know, not caring and just kind of being mellow, sort of emo, sort of just, like, doing his own thing. Do you think that, like, you know, 
people should have less tolerance for Archie as a concept now because yes. it's so rooted in the idea of like one boy, two girl best friends that love him, and it's it's it seems very less tolerance. Uh, just for the character of Archie himself having that problem. It seems so like adolescent male fantasy yeah. to me. And I feel like Mark Wade's run has done a good job of sort of making it less that. Mm-hmm. But like the original Archie stuff, like I'm sort of surprised it's a character that's lived on like it has because... Yeah, you, re- you go back and read some of those and he's just like blatantly trying to get with both of them. Yeah. And it's like, hey, Archie... Let's uh let's cool it. A bit. And like last week talking about Maestros, you were like, I don't really know how much I care about sort of like white straight male navigating magic with getting Archie feels sort of like that to me. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that for Archie. And I'm glad Jughead's around to like call him on that stuff. Absolutely. But in The Hunger though, Jughead's a werewolf. Oh. And Betty Cooper's a werewolf hunter. Yeah. And that's so cool. I like. Yeah. <laughs> I love that concept, and they played with it really well in that one shot. And here it just kind of played out from there rather than digging deeper into any of it, I felt like. I, we just got to see Jughead trying to cope with his problem, and Betty brings in, like, some cousin who's also a werewolf hunter, and it's like, oh, I kind of, like, I just wanted to see Betty be a... Badass werewolf hunter. I don't care about this other random. Yeah, apparently the Coopers for generations have been werewolf hunters. Yeah. And yeah, same thing. I I just want to see Betty do this. I don't care about her kid I mean, rock, kid rock that fifty looking yeah. cousin dude. I don't even <laughs> crazy care about our Roman reference. Kid rock. So I think that's the first time I ever have. Yeah. Is that the kid with the with the rock? Just that young kid that, that runs around kid? with the mullet, always playing metal in our store. Oh god. Kid rock. <laughs> <laughs> run for, for councilman yeah there's this really pretty like horrifying scene where spoilers uh jughead wakes up and he's locked in a cage after trying to chain himself up at night when he's gonna turn into a werewolf yeah. and he realizes like he walks out and finds just this totally mutilated body that he realizes that he has murdered and it it really did give me that rush yeah. of anxiety of like when i was a kid and i have done something and i realized like holy fuck i shouldn't have done that and i'm screwed now yeah, uh, I worked that, real hard to not ever have that feeling again. Yeah. Hey, uh, that, that was horrifying, especially because yeah. until until they showed this panel where Hot Dog, his dog, is with him, I was so afraid that he had murdered Hot Dog. Oh, he can't murder Hot Dog. <laughs> so here's what's weird: isn't Hot Dog was like the person that like the thing that started the zombie outbreak in Afterlife with Archie? Yeah. So these are very different. So worlds. these are different horror oh, Archie yeah. verses. So <laughs> we have like the the mainstream I current mean, of Archie, and then we have the tributary of horror Archie, and then from there we have separate universes. This is Archie's Madhouse presents. Is was Afterlife with Archie that same imprint, or have they just started now using that name? That's new to me. I think because, it's new as well. Yeah, Archie Afterlife with Archie's been coming out for a couple of years. Yeah. I know Roman's been reading though, that since that rare issue number one. Yeah. The Archie's Madhouse back in back in the day, like in the seventies and stuff, Archie's Madhouse was their their title that had the Archie characters in it, but it was like their spooky title. Oh. And not horror like this, but it was just like Sabrina and the witches and stuff and that kind okay. of thing. Um, it was their supernatural title, like all the comic book companies had back then. Did you know that Veronica likes uh, the Pixies? I saw that. Yeah, I just sure, noticed yeah. that. That's why I had. That uh, was a pretty good sequence too. I thought where Veronica's in the house and and Reggie's 
stalking her basically it was spooky yeah yeah that, that was I'm a gl- good sequence i'm glad that brayden brought up the word spooky or maybe it was you roman uh, i think it was brayden because it was very spooky like you get that the silhouette of so why don't you be a, a good girl and let me in and then you open the door and he's like inside and it just became like it's very aggressive relationship stocky like yeah yeah like it's werewolf but it also and that did surprise me how huge reggie the werewolf is he's yeah. ju- he's enormous yeah <laughs> his arm is as big as as all of veronica i do like that werewolf design he's got a lot of hate in him absolutely and most of it's yeah. in his right forearm <laughs> <laughs> um uh, I, I give this a a, a six no, 5.5. I thought it was spooky. I thought it was fun. Um, I It definitely felt like a drop in quality from what I perceive Afterlife with Archie to be and Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. This seemed like oh, yeah. mm-hmm. less writing and less art. Um, but I do love a spooky book in a very spooky time of year. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, 5.5 as well. I... I probably tempted to go lower just because i had but I, I set my expectations real high yeah and that was a mistake but it was fine it was a a fine spooky story archie's a dummy and jughead is relatable yeah yeah jughead is relatable yeah and i'll also give it a five five point five i mean yeah it's definitely way below sabrina which i will almost out of the box for every issue give a nine do you like that well, more than afterlife i actually do I love Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Uh, the art it's is such a like great a title. Very special thing. And this, you know, I'll read the I'll read the next issue because I love werewolves. I love Jughead. Um, are either of you guys watching the new season of Riverdale? No. I will did, as soon as it's on the Netflix. On did Netflix, you watch yeah. the first season? I did, okay. and they they pooped it on the Netflix so quickly after it finished. I, yeah. I don't want to buy the second season again. Apparently. Did you buy it and download it? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, Apparently, like, they had a huge ratings, like, viewership spike in season two because so many people watched it from Netflix and then started watching it on TV, Mm. which people need to be paying Netflix more money. Hey. Uh, They are. Yes. (laughs) Both of you guys. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, like, like, TV shows, like, like networks need to pay it because they're getting ratings boost from those. Um Guys, both of you, uh, Roman, who's uh-huh. been here just a week, just a tiny bit longer, just a smidge. Uh, we got some donuts here. Have an old fashioned. Oh, well, thank you, Braden. Uh-huh. Um, I will have. An we old didn't fashioned. make a big fuss about it, but last oh. week was our fifty-second episode. It was a whole year, which means that we've done this. Well, this is fifty-three. We've been doing this for over a year, so I think it's only appropriate to talk about this without Django and Justin. What doesn't feel like it's been a year? Well, it has. I need to for count me. the episodes. I, I, jo- I joined later, oh, yeah. <laughs> Braden. We need to count the episodes that I've been on. <laughs> <laughs> and then he cocked his head. I said, side. I need to count the episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know when I get to 52. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you're going to be on all of them from here on out, so. God. <laughs> Enjoy yourself, baby. Oh, this is Hope cute. you didn't want to be home before 8 on Wednesday. Mm. <laughs> I like that you use this to a jughead for your co- your donut coaster. Well, it's either this one, which has a kind of fu- like that softer cover, or this glossy next Or, you look. know, the table. DC House of Horror. No, there's too much bacteria on the table. Yeah, these, these are gaming tables. I don't yeah. want to put my Let's food put on, on here. pristine comics. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, it's sliding around. It's new. It's got chemicals. Yeah. It doesn't mm. have human bacteria. Um, well, so thanks for everybody uh, who's listening to this episode and presumably has listened to other episodes or has been listening to all of the episodes or anything. Um, it's really cool that you guys are listening to us. And, like, yes, really. thank you. Yeah, from the bottom of my heart, thanks, yeah. for, thanks for giving a shit about it, what we say. It's, Have it's, a donut on us. It's amazing to me when, you know, somebody stops us in somewhere and says, hey, thanks for, you know, they reference the episode or, the, you know, thanks for doing that show. It's great. It gives, yeah, me, it gives, it's, gives me smiles. I'm like, wow, cool. People like what we do. And it's, yeah. 
Wait, that means far means out. a huge amount to me. So yeah, thanks everybody. Um, on that note, it's the 25th of October. Let's push this even further past Jughead, the Hunger, into the realms of spooky. Let's mm. let's t- take a look at the DC horror anthology out today. DC House of Horrors. Horrors. And there that are, cover, that gorgeous Mike Kaluta cover with a werewolf flash. Mm. Awesome. Um, there's a lot of credits in this book, but one that we can say to everybody is that uh, Keith Giffen plotted every story yeah. in this. And the artists are Howard Porter, Scott Collins, Bilquis Evely, Dale Eaglesham, Eaglesham, Brian Smith, Brian Keane, Tom Rainey, Lovern Kinzierski, and Howard Chaikin. So a lot of real nice art in this this book. So this is eight shorts in, in here. All script or plotted by uh, Keith Giffen with different people doing the actual scripting. I realized that last night, so I just went through the first one, and I realized I had a week until Halloween. So I was, I'm I'm planning on doing Ooh. one of these a night to make sure I oh. stay in the Halloween spirit until Halloween next week. So I'm I I haven't read all this, mm. um, but again, I'm going to read number two tonight, and I'm going to keep cruising through the final week of Halloween oh, uh, to make sure I've got some some spooky. I, I doff my chapeau to you, sir, because oh. that's a great idea. And you now what? I'm wishing I I read them all last night. <laughs> I just don't have enough spook <laughs> factor in my daily life to, to sustain me. So I tried to read them all last night. I read them all last night, and I was afraid I was going to have nightmares, but I didn't. But I had a, I had a hard time not reading on because, really, the art is, is very nice. And, again, I haven't read it, but it's like it looks pretty horrific for a DC book. It is. This isn't Yeah. I mean, it's C+, plus, but it's uh, – you know, T plus to the limit of T, where you can take T plus. Take it to the yeah. limit, T plus. So you read mm-hmm. the first story, the Superman story. Yeah, Superboy. Which, Superboy. Like, what's his problem? Why is he so angry? Why is he? Why is he hassling? Because he's a he's a dumb little like. How old is this kid? Like two, three? Any chance he's not getting allowed, being allowed to go trick or treating? That must be um, it. But yeah, he's a three year old. That just crashed out of a rocket onto a strange world. He's freaking out. On Halloween out. <laughs> night, and he wants to go trick-or-treating, and Mom and Pa Kent are like, no, you're a weird alien, baby. You're going to have to kill us if you want to go get candy tonight. I'm going to speak evil Kryptonian to you. Oh, God, that Kryptonian he spoke was so evil. Yeah. I like his look. He just looks like this little demon yeah. horror thing. They did He's an a awesome... symbol of hope. <laughs> well, now I don't know what to talk about because I don't want to spoil any no, 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 stories really for spoil. you. It's totally fine. But I, I don't I want to because there's some great stories in here. Are there some? Well, talk about the book as a whole without needing um, to go. Okay, okay like, well, you I, just said there's great stories. So it sounds like you're fairly fond of this. I was. I, I'm impressed that DC. I was first. I was just glad because it used to be the Marvel and DC would re- release horror anthologies or Christmas anthologies every year, and they'd be of varying quality. But usually the horror ones were pretty good from DC. And this, starting with the Harley Quinn story, Crazy for You, which um, which is uh, Brian Smith and Brian Keene did the script and Kyle Baker did the art. And it's pretty good. It's it's not great, but it's good. And it's classic Harley, which I love. It's, you know, in her jester outfit. She's not, she's not s- sexy. What blew me away was the l- last laugh, the Batman story. Um, that one had the most interesting uh, pitch, I thought. Yeah, of all of by them. Nick Cutter and art by Regs Morales. I mean, I, I I guessed it pretty quick, but well, don't don't, yeah, don't and, give it away. Yeah, and I don't want to spoil anything. But when you get to that, that that's my favorite story in the whole book. Okay, I'm it, excited for just, that now. It's just great, Bruce Wayne. For me, psychosis. <laughs> it felt like most of them also kind of like Jughead was. It was horror just based on like you know, 
big, scary monster gore. And, like, as opposed to, like, the Bruce, the Batman one, where it gets a little more psychological. Okay. Which I like. I like kind of a slower burn on my horror. I like to have a creeping sense of yeah. dread. Um, and these were all, you know, tiny little stories stuffed into this one book, so none of them had time to, like, breathe mm-hmm. or establish any characters and stuff. So I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of got bored with them like halfway through and we started to skip through stuff oh really yeah because i love that batman one i love the justice league one where dealing with zombies yeah mm. that had a cool setup there's a green arrow story that's okay um so i want to oh, and unmasked uh by a guy i've never heard of this guy wrath james white did the script wrath apparently is his actual name <laughs> it seems like a pin name like donnie yeah. Keats or something like a fire emblem character name but that was that was a decent story um Two-Face story. And the last story by Howard Chaikin, it's it's a Billy Batson Shazam story. Mm. And that was that was cool. I like that one a lot. Is okay. he corrupting our boy Billy? Um, well. Howard, you stay away from Billy. No, it's actually Howard's done some something else is corrupting Billy. And it may be the wizard. <laughs> Maybe. The wizard? Shazam. The Marvel villain. No, no, the Shazam. Oh. Wizard Shazam. Maybe. I won't say more than that, but it's it's a good story. I don't know any wizards in these comic books. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't read Marvel there's, books. There's one sorcerer, and he's supreme. Um, a thing about <laughs> a thing about me. Um, I love I love a holiday special. I know you do. I love a Christmas love special, a and I love special. a Halloween special. I love October to the end of December. I love that um, the whole society, like collectively, we all just take this little tab of holiday acid and take this three-month you know psychedelic ride through this make-believe thing that we've all constructed together and and it somehow has everlasting like people are nicer when there's snow and people want to go out and look at nature when there's lights and i don't know like there's this camaraderie you know like we're all getting through this and i don't know there's a thing about october to december to me that is just this i love it I love made-up stuff that you can get literally hundreds of millions of people to to be like, all right, I'll pretend with you. And then you got everybody playing. Listen, <laughs> you get free candy on Halloween. Sure. You get likely a, a handful of free food on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And then free presents on Christmas. Yeah. Or Chahanaka. Or Candle Nights. Or Candle Nights. Or, or Kwanzaa. Oh. Um, Festivus. Yeah. I like presents. Yeah, it's a lot of free stuff. <laughs> and I guess it's like, it's everybody, and then sure, you feel like, oh, God, I'm pressured to be nice now. But at the same time... Well, you know, Santa's watching. Santa's watching. <laughs> you don't want to get that coal. I'm not going to bed on Christmas Eve wondering if there's coal under I there. Got a, I got enough coal. I work every fucking day of every fucking year to make sure that it's <laughs> presents and not coal under that oh, giant God. green evergreen. God, yeah. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's I'm so I'm I'm real into it. I I'm excited to draw this out and make it seven nights of spooky stories, and I look forward to in a month and a half getting a Christmas special. Mm. Um, as mm. it stands right now, I can only give it, uh, you know, a seven, and that's just on the first story. But it actually it looks. I was really impressed by who they got doing the art and Keith yeah. Given Giffen like plotting a whole all of them. That's like that's Keith Giffen. He's a good guy. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited for it. Having read it all, I'll, I'll give it a, I'll give it an eight, because even the stories I didn't think really went anywhere, like the very first one. I mean, it just had a really cool core idea 
that you know baby Superman comes out of the rocket, and he's an angry, pissed off alien child that starts decimating everything. Why are you so angry? Because <laughs> he's been lost. Because he's been the last thing he saw was his parents like burning up in an explosion. Oh, he didn't remember Because <laughs> he knows in 75 years his dad's going to show right? up on well, Earth yeah, yeah. and yeah. turn <laughs> all of humanity against each other and try and convince him to leave home because of the Oz effect. No, in this universe, uh, Jor-El got to hang out with the nice family. Mm. And he's going to try and make Superboy a nice kid. Um, I give it a f- uh, five, I think. It was, it was fine, but it wasn't really my style. What's your favorite holiday? You too, Roman. I do. I do like Christmas a lot because I like giving people stuff. I like thinking of things people would like and getting them for them. But yeah, I don't know. Christmas is good. Rome doggy. God, I used to know this. I can't believe I can't think of it now. Well, it used to be Oktoberfest when I used to. Because you're such a dranker. Well, yeah. When I used to really love like the the the. Uh, kielbasa and all the big heavy sausages I can't eat anymore yeah. and the beer so it used to be that now it's um, sausages uh, are too heavy yeah yeah poops them out now I'm not sure what what my favorite holiday is anymore uh, I don't know I don't have a favorite holiday Presidents? that's okay Ground, I, I, Groundhog's Day I would say because of Bill like, Murray Christmas or Thanksgiving is mine you know what uh, is not a description of who either of you or I are merciless exactly we're not fucking merciless. That's why we have Roman here. Merciless Roman, the merciless dog. How'd you like Batman the Merciless? Number one, one shot. Metal, Dark Knights, the tie-in oh. by uh, Peter Tomasi and Francis Manipal. I don't think we ever said who did The Hunger. We did. Did we? Okay, yeah. never mind. Um, I really liked I didn't expect much out of it for some reason, and it was awesome. It was... I just didn't expect... Like, I didn't expect, okay, spoilers right out of the box. I didn't expect grief-ridden, grief-stricken Batman to become the freaking god of war. <laughs> it made sense, and it also seemed the most in line of these one-shots with our Bruce. Yeah. Like, to me, it seemed... Yeah. So, yeah, I want to say this is my favorite of the Dark Knight's metal one-shots that have come out. Uh-huh. Me too, I think so, yeah. Uh, I think Red Death still tops it for me. Okay. Um because fuck, that book was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that book had more cocaine in it than this book does. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, so I love the art in this a lot. Oh, man. Yeah, Manipal. Uh, yeah. And this is Earth Earth 12? Negative, negative 12. 12. Negative 12. Um, My nose is running. In the past, there's been a, this great battle with, with the superheroes against Ares. Uh, apparently, and somewhere in here it says it, it like took them... Something like two a, years. A de- oh, I think a decade, a couple years, just to get to the front lines yeah. to 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 fight Ares himself. And apparently, Batman. Apparently, they win, but at the cost of Wonder Woman's life, and it throws Batman over the edge. <laughs> he takes Ares' helmet and becomes the god yep. of war. He decides that even though Wonder Woman warned him that what the helmet does to you, he was like, you know, the only way. I'm Batman. I can do this. I can use the helmet for you know for good purposes. It's very Gollum. Lord of the Rings yeah. gets yeah. the ring and then just becomes corrupted. Yeah, he puts on the helmet and becomes mm-hmm. corrupt, 
evil, but he thinks he's following his code and he's still doing good. He's not evil. He's just merciless. He's tired well, he's of merciless, you know pulling yes. his punches and not letting people <laughs> fucking go free all the time. I so on the books, like on the things that I really, really love, uh, it's easier for me to have complaints about them because I can be like, this is the thing that held me back from thinking it was perfect. So the two little things I have about this is I I don't feel like the whole little plot with. Like the bomb yeah. being dropped in the government, like I didn't need that. See, that's what I, I'm not liking about these yeah, uh, that, that more recent me. one shots. Is they're taking place after events of metal have transpired now, and that's giving us less time to play around in these alternate Earths. Well, and like a big complaint I have about metal, I realized while reading this issue is like an issue like in the metal two, we saw the fucking Legion of Doom for the first time in like a decade of comic book reading. And then issue three came out and we just blew past all of that. Mm. Like that's the stuff that I was really loving was like the references to old classic yeah. stuff. And then yeah. issue three got so rooted in the story we forgot all the really cool like little nuanced things like that that made me roll jive, jive turkey about it. Yeah. Um, Trevor, new employee Trevor who we love, uh, showed me a real cool little Easter egg in here that I did not realize. My oh, first yeah. Time no, I noticed through. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Grant Morrison multiversity issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When, when, what, what do they call this Bruce Wayne, the one that's been Jokerized. Man who laughs. The man, man who laughs. Who laughs. Yeah, when he shows up and he's got his little demon robins, one is one is holding a copy of Grant Morrison's Multiversity, and the other one's holding a copy of like how, how to how to destroy the universe for dummies, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's silly. That's, that's cute. Good. That's yeah. cute. Uh, Francis Manipole has uh, done a lot of stuff. He did the whole like big chunk at the beginning, New Fifty Two Flash Run, mm-hmm. um, and he's he did like the first. Like big chunk issues on Trinity from Rebirth. Okay. okay. Um, so if if you do like this art, which I am a huge fan of, he does a lot of double page spreads and it's all very watercolored and it is very classic Silver Age superhero-y. Um, yeah, I couldn't recommend this guy as an artist enough, and and it's cool to get him in this book. He's worked with Tomasi a fair amount. Um, the art and storytelling in this were both just like a, a real, real bombastic thing for me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And and. The ending sequence when when uh, War God Batman is talking talking about he's narrating the story. I kept my eyes on him when he arrived, meaning the man who laughs. I could not look at you, meaning Wonder Woman. That whole sequence starting there and what it reveals when he's sitting on that throne and he's carving like Wonder Woman's likeness in this the piece of slate. Just the, everything that's revealed there and what he did. I was like, oh yeah. Do geez. we want to save that? I don't know. Should we should we not spoil that? We're gonna run like we are going to sell out of this issue, hundred percent guaranteed. And there is a very cool twist that happens near there the end is. of it. So I would recommend everybody check it out. An excellent twist. My other complaint about this was halfway through the book here, um, there is this strange uh, flashback sequence that has these panels in it. Um, it's about two thirds of the way through the yeah. book. Looks like it has some just like just some line illustrations of previous important moments in Batman's life. Yeah. This looks like the zero year. The next panel shows him fighting the tag the talons. Yeah, the uh, Court of Owls. The yeah. next thing looks like maybe Death of the Family, like with the yeah, Joker. That's probably. Yeah. And then after that, we've got maybe Endgame with Batman dying in the cave with Joker. Uh huh. And then after- oh, here's that thing with the the metal canisters. I think. Okay, maybe that's what that is. Yeah, or, and here's that thing with the sword stuck in it. Wasn't that from Metal issue number one? Okay, or like the casting maybe. Oh, the casting. You're right. It's the casting. Sure. And then the okay. final one is all the evil. Okay, showing Barbatos up. Barbatos and all of them crawling across right there. Yeah. Okay, I just I wasn't able to 
plot it all out for sure there, and I was like, that's unclear. What are we summarizing all of Scott Snyder's Batman run? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, this tomb so. was. You guys are right. I don't know why he built I, a temple. You yeah. guys are right that I could have done without the 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 heads of all the DC secret organizations. I mean, it was a Nazis, cute thing being fighting. like, these are the people who are like experts at war here, but now the God of War has come and he doesn't give a shit. Yeah, and he makes them all bow down to him. I mean, and that that's, was, that that's was true. Cool. Actually, Braden, I didn't really think about it in that regard. It is like basically saying these are the gods of war in this world then bow down before the actual god of war mm-hmm. i guess that makes a little bit more sense but they they, they talked a lot yeah there was like pages of their dialogue in yeah it, and that was real unnecessary you told me you were really stuck with this book and i started reading those first few pages and i'm like oh, yeah. is he kidding me or? no 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 like like really i can handle a lot of dialogue if the art is real strong mm-hmm. and and this is an artist that i really do adore um and it definitely was the slowest in the three pages where it was just a lot of people in boardrooms with a lot of thought bubbles but then you get these like like double page spreads of like bruce holding diana's body Mm -hmm. talking to aries and you're just like damn that's a good thing yeah i think this is my second favorite cover (laughs) that's a great of the one shots what's Uh, your favorite cover oh murder machine hands down oh yeah that's oh yeah you get that big old murder wagon that never shows up running through the streets yeah i mean it shows up for like a panel um, this did, is such a ridiculous cover, too, because it's all these, like... It's the most metal cover. Yeah, I mean, it's all these Wonder Women, and there's Aries, and it looks like Zeus I don't know if those there. are Wonder Women's, or Amazons. just Amazons. But, uh, the, but they all have Wonder Woman's costume. I, I know they all look the same to you, Roman, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, they're all wearing the same costume. Not exactly. Is, not this, exactly. is this your second favorite of the metal tie-ins? Uh, in terms of art, yeah. Can we Can we rank them all? Uh, I haven't read The Drowned. I don't even remember which oh, ones there are. <laughs> you you got to read that. I would say uh, so far, and we still have two left. We have the the crazy Doomsday one, and then we have The Man Who Laughs. I, th- I think this one's either, either second or third for me. So I would say this is my favorite, followed by The Red Death, followed by um, Murder Machine, followed by Dawnbreaker, and then I can't comment on The Drowned because I haven't read it yet. I think I'm... And it's probably a similar spot, but just swapped uh, Red Death and Merciless. Uh, I I think I like Drowned more than Dawnbreaker, though. Okay. I think this this one is my favorite, followed by Red Death, followed by, I think, uh, Dawnbreaker, just because I love the art so Uh much. Red Death was buck wild. Yeah, that that was my second one. I'm surprised Murder Machine's not higher for you because you love that Alfred Oh, yeah. oh, I did love that Alfred, but the cover built it up so much, and then it did it didn't yeah. deliver to, I actually, to that cover. Conversely, from Braden, I'm not so into that cover for that very reason. Really, there yeah. wasn't like that. I get it. Comic covers don't show up in the books, oh, yeah. but like I hate that. That was like the second one of these tie-ins, and it was still very much establishing the tone of them. Mm-hmm. I do want to say that we're like five of seven of these one shots in. And this is a much better executed tie-in structure than the Marvel events have been, yeah. and it's a better executed tie-ins like, ex- like than even like DC events. Like this is these one shots. They're done by a good writer and a good artist. Generally, the people writing the main book that it's related to. Um, so like Trinity for this one, the Flash creative team did the the Red Death. You're uh, saying you didn't like Secret Empire colon Omega Protocol or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been like the Marvel attempt at making cross like at making tie-ins is very 
transparent. So I think that this did a good job of like, as I was reading this particular issue, I was like, I think that they could make a 16 issue absolute edition of the, you know, eight or nine main episodes of this issues. And then the like six big tie-ins and have like a really nice 14 to 16 issue absolute edition. And I would want to buy that. Um, I can't say that about any big events that have happened recently. That's true. Did did you guys read? Well, I know you. I know Braden. I know you read the the Drowned. Did you mm-hmm. read the Drowned? No, that's the Aquaman one. Yeah, I haven't right, read that one. Right, yet. and that one was that was interesting because it was so depressing. I thought it was so depressing. And it came out on such a rainy day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was very effective. <laughs> a rainy third of the year. Mm. Yeah. Uh Okay. Um, I guess we need to rate this one. Um, I'm gonna give this one uh, a seven. Point oh, a flat seven. Uh, I liked it. Um, it was my favorite of them, and that's why I give it a seven point five. It has great art, and <laughs> I think it's written really well. And I think as a tie-in to an overarching series, it, it worked really well. So seven point five, hand downs, no doubt about it. Definitely wouldn't give it a seven point oh. I'd go seven point five. Uh, six and a half. Uh, point five, if you will. Uh, <laughs> I liked. Most of the art, like the big, like character drawings of just God of War Batman, that was super cool. Some great violence and stuff. But I, I, I love Pete Tomasi a lot for uh, like getting me back into comics with that first volume of Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. New Fifty Two. But some of his stories just don't click with me, and that makes me sad. No, I, I hear it. I do think he's a pretty hit and miss writer. Like I, I would say I really like like seventy percent of what he does and then thirty percent I think is not super great. No. Rome doggy. I'm just reading it now. So. I'm well yeah, I'm rereading this last page. I'm gonna give this an eight. <gasps> I, I it's just oh. I'm a sucker for stories of of destroyed love and grief that makes you do that turns you into something horrible. Um, you like women in refrigerators. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you no. Uh, <laughs> I just love stories about somebody good that's mm-hmm. that's gone gone probably into madness. And I don't know if he's a psychopath, but... Yeah, he's he's off, but he's not like psychotic. Yeah, he's not. Nice. Yeah, he's not psychotic. He's he's very very sociopathic. I I'd, um, I'd agree. I like, and between this and Jughead this week, like, I had more than one moment of yeah. of that feeling of like real regret or fear that you get when you've done something that makes you feel like there's a difference between who you are now and who you used to be. Yeah, yeah. And Tomasi and, writes it so well in here that I was totally sucked into this and thinking, thinking, okay, well, Bruce is still Bruce, the Bruce we know and love. But it, he writes his internal monologue here so well that, I mean, at least I fell for it. I mean, it wasn't until, like, you know, Maybe this page, the second to last pages, when I was like, wait a minute, what did he do? Yeah, some stuff happens <laughs> that makes you realize that Bruce has gone over the deep end. Yeah, yeah. But you, but his logic, his monologue is completely logical. I mean, it's it's until you get to the end and you realize what this logic has led him to. God, I've been sticking with these one-shots. Like, you know, I'm gung-ho for the metal train, but I like, I like Bruce being a good dude yeah. at his core and... That's 
but these are the, but this is the dark multiverse. They aren't well, good so anymore. Dark. That's what I like is that it's not even just like you know when there was Forever Evil and there's like the old like the opposite world, hmm, um, right. like you know the negative Earth. Yeah. That's a cool idea. But to me, I really like the idea that every time you get concerned about something, you create a fear and you mm. do that thing where you worry like, what would happen if this? I like the idea that that creates a reality where that happens. That's terrifying. It is because yeah. then it so then it became it, it's not it doesn't create the idea of like a dark like DC universe to me. This is literally just the dark mirror of Bruce's psychosis. Mm-hmm. Like this is every one of these is like him being like, man, what if I fucking turned into Flash or like, fuck, man, it would be terrible if I got Ares helmet. And then that fear and him preparing for that actually creates a fictitious world. And in our own lives, like every day, I feel like that's a thing that I kind of think about as I worry about stuff. I'm like, man, why am I worrying about this? Like the more I worry about this thing that may or may not happen, like I'm creating that reality and I'm living in it until it either happens or doesn't happen. Mm. And I spend way too much time catastrophizing and living in this like dark world that's not going to happen unless I keep living in it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, Yeah, and also the fact that that the way they're building up to the man who laughs and the way he's manipulating all these other dark Bruces to become even darker, so they're all like him slash Barbatos. It's like, oh, this is a good slow build to that. And it is like in that idea of like the Joker is always there making Batman either either worse than he is or better than who he is, and this is the mirror of that which makes it worse. Yeah, yeah. The idea of his fears creating these realities is really cool and not immediately apparent, I think, in the storytelling, but it's mm-hmm. absolutely the like the point of it. Yeah, and I didn't get it until I was reading it, and I was like, oh, that's what this is. But like when it was being solicited and advertised, I was like, I don't know exactly yeah. what this is. It's good. So, you guys, on a, on a dark uh, mirror to <laughs> DC, we have this is the, also dark. the angsty dark Marvel world. Yeah. <laughs> <Ugh>. um, <laughs> Just wait. There's some. There's, there's some, no light books well, this week. Not even Power Rangers is kind of dark this week. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you guys, this is the final podcast before Halloween. This is the penultimate. This is the spooky, spooky, spooky cast. This is the spooky cast. We're gonna have to do a Halloween podcast too in costume. Forgot about that. Man, Halloween's next Tuesday. God. And we get books in, so I guess we could do a Halloween day after Halloween yeah. podcast. We can just yeah. say we're in costume. We're gonna be in costume. People don't know. Um, no, I'm in costume for the three of us, no, and we won't be lying. I'm in costume. To each I'm other. in a big gorilla grod outfit right but now. But that's just sort of your normal. That's not your normal fare. You just haven't shaved in a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> he never <laughs> shaves. Um, you guys, this uh, Punisher: The Platoon, number two, um, from Marvel, written by Garth Woo-hoo! Ennis Whoa. and illustrated by Goran Parlov. Punisher, boom boom, the platoon. Is that the sound of a colon? I don't know. <laughs> okay. It's like bullets making a colon and okay. like the TV title. <laughs> I like I don't it. Know. Yeah, yeah. It'd be cool. If it's very you, Magnum PI. It'd be cool if your name was Goran. Goran. Especially <laughs> if you followed up with being a badass artist Especially like this guy is. Especially if you is. make big hammers for Link. <laughs> I don't get it. Speaking of peas. The Punisher. <laughs> but two. So this is just following that. Uh, it wasn't long ago that I read my first bit of Garth Ennis's, uh Punisher. And it has sort of the story of him on his like second or third tour of duty in Vietnam. And it was absolutely incredible. And that's one of the reasons I was so excited about this particular book was I, I really like these stories of young Frank Castle written by Garth Ennis in Vietnam. And it really highlights that absolute insanity that was the Vietnam War. And I cannot wait to watch that new Ken Burns 
Yeah, Vietnam yeah, documentary. I see that too. Because that season one of Punisher. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because the Vietnam War wasn't. It it was so recent, but it's, you know, we were all too young. I, my dad was not in the Vietnam War, even though he was the right age. He just got lucky enough. He didn't get called up. But he had buddies that did. And I'm always fascinated with I want to learn. I mean, even in the introductory thing, because, you know, it's the framing device of this series is that uh, there's a writer that did a book on Valley Forge about Vietnam, and now he's writing a follow-up book that's about the Punisher's first tour of duty. Yeah, he's talking to the Vietnam. cast of Dying in the Dead. I love little bits like this because I don't know enough about the Vietnam War. When the writer, he's he's interviewing surviving members of the platoon Frank was in when his first tour, his first couple weeks uh, in country. Um, and he makes this point about the Vietnam War. To the Vietnamese, the Vietnam War is the one they fought against the French for freedom from the colonial power. I loved that. Fighting us, as traumatic as it was, was the American War. It's just the last bit of business they had to take care of before they could reunify the country. And for us, the Vietnam War was was all about us going in and trying to do maybe the right thing and messing it all up, and it was horrible. And it's just, that's the Vietnam War. There isn't this this whole other element that we were only a small part of. And that's like... (laughs) That speaks to, like, yeah, how horrible the education in America is about yeah. that war because it really only illustrates our side of things, yeah. which is, again, so, like, in-group, out-group, like, well, we were on this side, so you're going to learn our side, but that's not an objective learning yeah. of, of history. So I've learned more about Vietnam through Garth Innes' writing explicitly than than education, yeah. like my high school. Oh, yeah, Definitely. Um, I don't have any interest in, like, the Punisher as a character. Like, I'm not interested in an angry guy that wants to go murder people. He that... shoots him dead. Yeah, I'm not into that. <laughs> like, I'm not. But I am really interested in a situation like Vietnam and how that can act as a pressure cooker to create a, a psychotic, war-bent persona that then can't leave that and takes it back to their home with them. Like, that's interesting to me. Yeah. And Garth Ennis is able to do that with this character and in just war books in general. Like in he general, yeah, he, he is the best. And a lot of his war comics, they're all so good, and they have taught me more, not only about Vietnam, but any any era of war. His his Any of his war books I'd recommend you read. World War II, he did that series a Even, couple of years ago about using the British... Uh, the British fighter pilot character. I forget its name now, but that was a great series. I mean, that may have been in War Stories, and he did, like, Battlefields and Tankies, yeah. and he's... Like, well, this one I'm thinking of, it was... Tankies? Yeah. Yeah, about a tank crew. This one was outside of War Stories. It was its own... Okay. And every issue in the back had this great, like, historical write-ups about the planes they were flying and everything. He's just fantastic It's stuff. so cool that the guy who wrote Preacher, which is one of the most like important you know, yeah. comic series of the 90s, is also really good at writing historical fiction about wars. Like, it's yeah. just, he's so versatile. And he also wrote, you know, Hitman. Yeah, and he's so good at the, I mean, the history, I mean, and it's true. Uh, my high school, well, you know, like a lot of people, my high school history teacher was, was the girls' volleyball coach. I mean, he didn't care about history. Um, and I've learned so much more about history just from comic books and, and shows like, Band of Brothers, that kind of thing. Um, and I've already forgot what my original point was in talking about. These guys are talking about... Oh, jeez. Oh, I love the art, and Goran Parlov and Jordi Belair together are really good. In particular, I loved uh, Frank's cute, scrunched-up, angry little face in that in that first issue a lot. Um, you don't see it as much in this one, but 
it's got some really great shots of it. Like, I don't know what it is. Huh, huh, I see what you did there. Great shots. Vietnam. I didn't do that, Roman. You did that. <laughs> <laughs> don't make your jokes my jokes. <laughs> but no, I just, I don't know. I've never been a Punisher fan either, really. But like, I love his angry war face and he's even his just solemn, like, decision-making war face. And just, oh, it's. To go back, I guess the framing device for this issue is just it's right after Frank has sort of come into this platoon of people and they're like, yeah, he was pretty intense and he kind of asked good questions, but we, none of us really knew how he was going to handle crazy situations. And then they get massacred and he is able to have the, the force or like the, the level headedness to run up to this big, powerful mounted gun as it's about to get taken by the enemy. And he takes it back and then mows down everybody yeah and it's it, it's basically just highlights the moment when everyone around him realizes like oh this guy is not only a good leader but he is good at leading in the shit yeah and he just knows instinctively what to do because they're all like you know this guy this is castles i think one of the characters says he, you know he's been no combat experience he's been here like two weeks yeah. just got assigned to them and he instinctively knows to run for that gun because if the enemy gets hold of that gun they're all dead I mean, I mean, you know, the Americans are all dead. The platoon's all dead. And because of Frank doing that, none of them get killed. And then it has the great thing where it goes over to the... And I like that Ennis does this. Also fleshing out characters on the other side with the Viet Cong, with this, this woman sniper and the idiot general son that's been assigned to this unit, That this guy. Um, I forget what his rank is here. The colonel. That the colonel sends him off to do some... Get the map which he doesn't even need, but he sends him off to get him out of there just to get him out of his hair because he's only there because he's hmm. the general's son. So if you had to convert all those things you liked about it into a number... Hey, we should do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give it an eight. I think it was really, really good, and I don't know... It's not like a book that I was like, this is going to be really fun to read, but uh, as I had my stack of books, that was the one that I looked at. I was like, this is probably the highest quality book in this stack that I've got. Um, I think it's going to work really well as a collection. The art's great. The writing's great. And it actually puts like, – it does that thing where I feel like it puts me in touch with something like much larger than myself. And I think that's kind of the the, hmm. the best instance of like when really good art touches you. It, it kind of puts you in touch with something way bigger. Uh, yeah. Ten. I can't explain it. I didn't read it. <laughs> I, no, I, I mean, I looked at it. I, I fucking love it, and I, I don't know how to explain it. I, I get lost in that gritty face. <laughs> um, I'll give Jeez. Now Braden did a 10. Wow. Yeah, do He that. never drops a 10. I, I, I know. never heard him drop a 10 on a book I, he's I don't never know what read to do also. <laughs> I dropped a 10 the very first book I did on here. What was it? Hellcat. Oh, oh nice. he right. walked in here. He said, "Fuck you, boys! I'm talking about Hellcat." And he <laughs> threw it down on the table. He pushed all of us away, and he said, ten And then he dropped the mic and walked yep, out. Then he mm-hmm. walked out. Mm-hmm. Didn't even talk about it. <laughs> it's great to be back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for letting me have a second episode here. I, well, I guess I'll say nine. So if I say ten, I'm just going to sound like I'm like 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 another Braden over Braden. clone. Yeah. We all said five point five on that first book. Did we? Jughead. We, and we all gave Jughead a fiver? I'll, I'll five gi- and five. I'll give Platoon a 9.5 because I agree with everything you know Jeff said. And these books are educational for me in, in the best way. I mean, they, they point out all these interesting little details about war and being in combat. 
and it's fascinating and there's like the dumb little kid of me part of like wow cool war it's like no it's horrible it's so atrocious but and, it's and, such a test of like what a human can endure yeah. and what they can do yeah it's the kind of thing you read this stuff or watch that kind of show and you're like oh i wonder what a human how long i would have lasted <laughs> so, i mean let's transition uh oh, okay. over to a book that i actually don't mean to let's spend a little bit more let's just spend a moment longer in the marvel well, corner can well, you guys tell me a little universe. bit about a little marvel Boo! Oh, oh my god, yeah, the Silver final issue of Silver Surfer. Surfer. Holy jeez. Wait, did you also read it and cry? I did. No, I did not cry, though. Oh. Um, Boy, I bawled. Because I'm a monster. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was afraid when you got... I was reading up here in our game room, and I was afraid, I was like getting ready. I was like, oh, I hope one of the guys doesn't come upstairs right now, because I'm all, you know, teary. And <laughs> You got Dan Slott. Or, sorry, not Dan Slott. I mean, whatever. He yeah, did Dan Slott. You've got Michael, uh, Michael Allred Galactus, is what I meant to say. Yeah, Laura Allred, Michael Allred. Oh, geez, this series is so good. People, you have to get the back issues, get the trades. This is one of Marvel's best series, you know, within the last last few years. Really looking for a big hardcover of the whole run that spans two yeah, volumes. Which I hope, yeah. you know, which I hope has all the covers. And, oh, I love such a beautiful series. I love Silver Surfer. I love Mike Allred's art and Laura. But I don't know if I just, I've, I've, dove into this series like i've never been reading it issue to issue really but and i always enjoy it when i come back to it but i really like a solemn loner silver surfer and i feel like dan slots never quite clicked with me mm. and it's always good and i've always like enjoyed it but it's not my silver surfer i guess i don't like to see him happy <laughs> i want him to be sad Man, I'm just I, touching it a little bit. I haven't read this yet. I've read about every third issue of this series, and I get it. I, I get that 10 from oh, you know. from that page, yeah. No, I'm just like, yeah, from little bits oh. of it. Uh, it is it is very Doctor Who-y. Like, it, and, it is. And, 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 oh, go ahead. Well, and just so much of the relationship between him and Dawn um, oh, seems very much like a companion and then he takes off I, I can see what you're saying that he, this he, last page makes me want to start crying again just because I read the issue last night I'm like oh man to me it makes <laughs> me want to break up with all of my relationships and go you know step and push off the shore and step into the ocean and uh, start the hero's journey and well, which isn't what I want to yeah. do with my life anymore but it makes no. me want to do that again so I think it's probably dangerous if I were to read this because then I'd w- tell Django I'm leaving and someone <laughs> would be real yeah. bummed which would be fine if you had the power cosmic to like make that a little more conducive to to positivity which the surfer does in this but getting back to what Braden said yeah I understand that because that's how I started this series because mm-hmm. I was like you know the surfer isn't supposed to have happiness we want this tortured poetic soul like surfing alone through space with his lost love shava ball and yeah. everything her, the memories of her so thanks marvel legacy we're back to so, that now so so yeah i see what you're saying that's definitely a part of the surfer that but no like it's it, it is it is very good like it is i and, was and reading like at least like the first 10 issues or so of that first run and i've picked up every now and then yeah and he'll kind of in some ways return to that just just to refresh people the last issue the surfer and and Dawn got uh, stuck kind of in, in Galactus's pre-origin yeah, oh, universe. I, I, and, I do really want to go back to that because I love Galactus and I love the idea that they get stuck in yeah. the universe that existed before our right, universe. Right, and, I, they, and they have to stay there and they live together 
and grow old together because they're waiting for the right moment to come along where they can go along in Galactus's ink cell or whatever to their universe, to, the, to our universe, our quote-unquote. 616. Um, 616. And, and kind of start over because if they do it too soon or something, they either can't or if they do it too soon, they're going to mess up time and destroy everything. Ugh, time. So they grow old together and – Dawn dies, and the surfer, he was only growing old because that was in his power to do so. He didn't actually have to be old. As soon as she dies, he's like restores himself to his normal self. Um, and it's this tragic love story, and there is. Dan Slott talks about in the text page here at the end in his piece, he talks about all the things he loves, which is Doctor Who and Red Dwarf and all this stuff he threw into here with Kirby, Kirby and Lee into his Silver Surfer run. And it's just, and I'm a huge Doctor Who fan, and it's just so beautiful. This issue is beautiful. I mean, he, the surfer does some beautiful things where he goes, he, he uses this new identity he's been using occasionally in this series and puts himself back in Dawn's life, back in the past as a guest of their lodge, starting when she was eight years old. And he goes back every summer and, and kind of gets to be I know with them again. I, know I don't, don't want to, I mean... I know you're talking to me because I'm looking at you, but I'm still excited to read this book. And oh, sorry. Not know. <laughs> okay, well, don't worry. There's, Spoiler there's... warning, everyone. Jeff doesn't really want to be spoiled about okay, the books they're okay. going to make well, him don't cry. Don't worry. The biggest... well, that, that part's been spoiled. The, and the, I actually the... was just looking through this, and I, I kind of was intentionally not listening to what you oh, were good, saying good. because I love you, and I, I don't want to Don't worry. There's lots it. of more spoilers. I'm safe. The biggest ones I'm not even going to mention. Uh, give me a 1 to 10, wow. you guys. I And, and Roman, uh, as a guy who's read the whole series, I want to know what you give the whole series overall. Mm, okay. Uh, seven out of ten. It was, it was very good, and it's uh, it's too bad that a book like this that has kind of you know been its own book for so long, amidst all these other Marvel books that are getting caught up in events and stuff and legacies and nows and all that. Books like this and Squirrel Girl and Miss Marvel just kind of doing their own thing. I feel like is really what Marvel's doing best right now. I not. couldn't agree more. Yeah. When they're not trying to appeal to everybody and they let a thing just appeal to maybe 25% of people, that's when I feel like it really resonates. Mm -hmm. Roman, yeah. issue and series. Um, the issue, I'll give a 10. The series, I'll give an 11. Wow. That's, a, <laughs> that's higher than a 10. The series a 10 and the issue will give well, 11. It's a spinal tap. Reference. You just dropped the mic and turned <laughs> the amp up to 11. Gosh, can we do 11 now? 11. It'll go with 11. 11's a little higher. I, I've, I've watched Roman uh, relate to this series since the first issue, and uh, I, I believe it's 11. This is this is a series I want to get the big hardcover trade collection. It's just, oh. I would buy the shit out of this omnibus. It's so good. Tonight, I want you know, I want to I want to send, even the, you know, He's a big writer. He doesn't respond to messages. I want to send Don, Dan Slot a Facebook message and go, thank you, him yeah. and, and the Alreds. I love when a book makes me feel like that. DM them on Twitter. I'm sure he'll respond yeah, to that. Yeah, so, see, I'm, but I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> that's you why you're never, that's why you're never going to talk to Don Slot. Oh, Slott. damn it. See, but we're Facebook buddies. <laughs> um, we're not going to talk about it because we're running a little over. Uh, so I'm just going to take a real quick second. Uh, Black Crown Quarterly Number 1 came out. Um, IDW released their first Black Crown imprint book last week. It was Kid Lobotomy. We talked they about did. it. Thought it was really, really good. Had the Frank Quietly cover. Um, this was an anthology. Had a little couple pages from a bunch of different worlds that they're going to be publishing. Yeah, a bunch of different books coming up. Yeah, two of them were previews. Um, every single one of them intrigued me, even though I feel like sometimes the execution wasn't perfect. Yep. Um, the like the band twits or whatever that one was. Like the mm -hmm. art 
in all of them was cool. And when the story wasn't awesome, the art was cool enough for it. And uh, it made me want to read the books because they were, it weren't even previews. Uh, they were just like, here's a taste. You, you can read it when you want. Uh, this is a really cool thing. Um, I, I really think that this black crown imprint, imprint in IDW is is the best thing that IDW has done uh, since I've been around for the last four or five years. So I agree. This is all very intriguing. I mean, one of the series coming up, a miniseries, is uh, one of the Hernandez brothers, Gilbert Hernandez, is going to be doing the art on it, Assassini- Assassinistas. Assassinistas. That looks pretty cool. Um, there's another one in here called uh, Punk's Not Dead. That looks pretty interesting. The art was gorgeous. Yeah, the inter- gorgeous art. It looks interesting. Is Punk still alive? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty dead, but, it's, but it's not fully dead. Okay. I was going to suggest Drea should read this because she's into Punk stuff. There's a good art, some good articles in here. Just Peter Milligan interview with him, who's writing uh, Kid Lobotomy. This this all looks very promising. It's cool that it has a bunch of interviews and stuff too. So it it's very similar to like Young Animal within DC. Yeah, this is background. So yeah, in, fa- um, in fact, isn't the editor of all this Shelley Bond? Yeah, who's involved in Young Animal and she yep. wasn't one of the guiding Vertigo. forces behind Vertigo. So this yeah, it's all very should, promising. Everyone should check it out. I think that's pretty cool. We've yeah. got uh, one book left, but Brayden's got something queued up. It looks like no, I don't. Okay. I, I was just I was just googling Psycho Ranger to see what that was all about because we don't have Justin here to like explain to us. The minutiae of the Power Rangers universe. Um, is jo- I I think you know more than Justin does. Justin's yeah, yeah, seen a you? lot more of it than I have. Really? Yeah. Well, kind of another donut. <laughs> yeah. Is there, there's two donuts left, Roman. Yeah, but I don't want to be a piggy. Oh, no yeah, one's well, a, totally piggy a piggy here. Um, we're moving. Oh. Oh my gosh. Is it? That sounds like a phone. We're getting a phone call. Who could it be? Let's check it out. Who could it be now? Knocking at my door. Uh, a, a high, perfectly acceptable comic. Uh, po- <laughs> Who is this? Why are you comings and goings? Comings and goings of our life. This is this is Django. Oh, I was on uh, Django. Who? Was on last year's season. Last year's season. We got a new. Yeah. We got a bottle of wine called New Age. We've moved on. Yeah. Could you not call us at this number anymore? I uh, I, I thought I was calling somebody else. Oh, is it Justin? This is embarrassing. I thought I was calling Justin. Listen, you're one of those people. Uh, Justin was going to have somebody else there to to hang out and talk with. Did you guys read any comics this week? God, we read a big old stack of them, buddy. I read a couple. What'd you read? I read uh, uh, The Shadow, number three. (laughs) How is that? Uh, It was good. He finally got his scarf back. Oh, thank God. Stella getting her groove back. Does Does he remember who he is? Oh, yeah. Did that happen in two or three? Uh, Number three. Oh, God, that's exciting. Who remembers what lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow remembers. He remembers. Wait a minute, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what else did Uh, you read? Oh, I read The Beautiful Death, number two. Did you, I can't remember if you talked about number one on the cast or not. I didn't. I didn't. I, I read it kind of uh, just picked randomly out of my pile a few days before number two came out. I read number one, and number two is also really good. Um, I think it was probably originally presented in some sort of either more serialized or less serialized format in a European comic. Hey, hey, Django, did you know that throughout that comic book, one of the main characters is wearing a Dragon Ball Z shirt? I did not know that. Every time you see that person wearing a shirt that has two C's on it, 
That's the Capsule Corp logo from Dragon Ball Z. Wow, I want to read this huh. book now. Yeah. Really? It looks so awesome. I really want to read it. It's good. It's about like when giant bugs take over the world, but they hardly ever even show the giant bugs. They just show the little <laughs> bugs. Oh, that's Were good. there any farts in it? Uh, not a single fart yet. Oh, Vom- okay. Vomit. We'll, we'll hold out for hope on that one. <laughs> no vomit, no farts, just grody little bugs. Okay, okay. We'll get there. <laughs> what else you got? I read Jughead The Hunger, number one. Okay. Ongoing, number one. We talked about that on here. We're going to need a number for We're going to need a number for sure. Yep. Okay. You want a number first, or you want to know what I thought of it first? Both of them. I was disappointed in the art. Yep, yep, so were we. Yep, yep. It sounds like you're on the Perfectly Acceptable podcast. I think that the story was was fine, um, but I'd like it to be a little bit moodier. Mm. It seems seems a little uh, middle of the road for what I was hoping for. I would say it's perfectly acceptable. What's your number? I'm going to give it a... 6.75. 6.75. Okay, oh, wow. Okay. That's, wow. That's higher than us, but yep. even, li- listeners, even from the, an entire country away, Django has very similar opinions to us. We all gave it a 5.5. 5. Yep. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like I like the concept enough, and I really like the idea of Jughead stealing the guy's uh, circus trunk to chain himself up. Yeah, I didn't oh, realize he stole the trunk. Now I get it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> um, did you read Punisher yeah. Platt? No, I didn't. You're going to like it. Yeah, I think you're going to dig it. You know what I really liked was the Punisher, the the regular Punisher cover this week. It was very red. It's just like, it's just, yeah, but if you look at it, the red is like a wallpaper pattern that's made out of skulls. And he's, he looks like a James Bond. So it it continues the motif of lots of skulls on the cover of a Punisher book. Every single one of them has had at least (laughs) one awesome skull. He's got a thing for skulls. Django? Yeah, well, he's got a skull. I'm Frank. Uh, Django, how's New Orleans? It's good. It's good. We uh, we got off the plane and drove straight to a six ten stompers practice. I can't really. We don't have enough time for me to describe and explain the six ten stompers, but you can Google it. Um, we saw them practice for their performance with the Louisiana Orchestra, um, Philharmonic Orchestra, and it was uh, it was an interesting night. Are you are you trying to tell me that it's one o'clock in the morning over there? Uh, no, it's 12.10. Oh, God, okay, perfect. It's not yeah, that only three two hours. hours. Okay, Only good. two hours. Good. Um, I did want to say that, uh, no, I'm, I'm never leaving town again, mm. and uh, <laughs> I never I want to miss it. another podcast. I've been waiting to hear both of those things for a very long time. Yeah, I think we fell apart <laughs> pretty much as soon as you left. Yeah, man, I haven't told the listeners yet, but I'm done fucking sick, and it happens <laughs> every time you leave. <laughs> those withdrawals yeah those jungle withdrawals well listen buddy we're gonna miss you uh thanks for calling in yeah i'm uh i'm this might be the first time i ever called you um in real life or on the podcast (laughs) on the podcast okay because i call you i call you a lot i was i didn't want to call you out on that but yeah i I disagreed (laughs) all right buddy listen we all love you you have fun over there at your brother's wedding all right get get better buddy oh i will hey uh brayden and roman Uh uh-huh Make sure he gets better. Yeah, <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll try. <laughs> Bye, buddy. Bye, guys. Bye. Listen, my main concern is <laughs> Listen. I stay good. <laughs> oh, man. We are in a no-hug no zone for like at least a week. <laughs> yeah. And it sucks, but... It's so amazing the amount oh, of crap. like... Jeff hugged me this morning. You're sick. Yeah, I've been Damn planting it. those seeds for <laughs> like two days. They, you, You're the most contagious before you know it. Oh, yeah. That's why illness is a horror device. Shit, it's, even, it's even too late for, for me to decontaminate. Yeah. Yep. You should probably just hug Braden. 
No. <laughs> um, so Power Rangers number 20 is where we're going to end this whole catamaran session. We've gone into need, the future. I yeah, I need to read this. Read it then. Uh, we've gone into the future with Kyle Higgins in the Power Rangers universe, and now we're going into the past. To the 1969 Power Rangers, who Good went, year. who Zordon sent to the moon to track down the Psycho Green Ranger, who woke up because we landed on the moon. Uh, good old Neil Armstrong? Is that the guy? Lance, yeah. yeah. Lance? Lance Armstrong. No, Buzz Aldrin? Bicyclist. Yeah, he took a bunch of steroids and landed on the moon. Yeah, he, yeah. He biked Bicycle so bear. hard he got to the moon. God. <laughs> and he was oh, smoking weed on the moon. And so that woke the psycho green oh, ranger up. Helmet. Who is all about getting that green herb. Mm-hmm. His helmet is awesome. Right? Yeah. It's pretty cool. The psych- I, I didn't know the psycho rangers were a thing. I'm sure Justin knows all about them, but... Wow, this is a lot more... Man. This has a lot more words. Justin has left, and we've just elevated him to sainthood. He knows everything (laughs) about everything we want to know. He censors those covers for us every week. Brayden, (laughs) Justin, a thing that's happened is you've left, and now everything that I do, people assume that you used to do it. Wow. And uh, I... I am going to read this. I just don't... It's it's great that we miss you, but I feel like everyone thinks that... I'm I'm definitely stripping those covers now. So this is an alternate Power Rangers team from 1969 that yeah. go for one mission onto the moon from Zordon, and amazingly, 1969 Power Rangers way more progressive in a lot of ways than the 1990s Power Rangers. Yeah. Who 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 wrote and drew this? Kyle Higgins uh, is the writer who's done the whole series, uh, and this issue is by Daniel Di Nicolo. Um, I love a Di Nicolo book. Yeah. <laughs> Nicolo. Nicolo. But I love Henry Prosecha, but this is also very good art in this throughout. Oh, my gosh. They get a they get a power blaster shot off that's super colorful and great. Um, they go to the moon to stop the Psycho Green Ranger. They don't know what they're doing. Zordon just kind of plucks them up out of the blue. And things go bad. They go real bad. And things don't usually go this bad in any Power Rangers like story or episode ever. And like, but like people die, and it's intense. And what I thought was cool about this is one of the surviving Rangers, the female Red Ranger, who's mm-hmm. the leader and a secretary, um, ends up stealing the Psycho Green Ranger's blade and okay. keeps it. And I love the idea of there being a bad powerful lady that has been a power ranger and been holding on to this power for 30 years you don't know because i don't know if you've read the it's a girl that it's a woman that's shown up in the past recent issues uh trying to get with the power rangers she works for like a peacekeeping organization that like does a cleanup for their fights and stuff and she's trying to get with them and it's her yeah and it's her and she's trying to be like hey let me help you with these problems that are happening i can get like a support network for you and they're like oh no no we're power rangers and by the end, she's like, okay, I'm just going to go to the command center and talk to you guys. And, like, I was the old Red Ranger. This is how. Okay, and so that's, wow. That, that was the lead up to this, which I haven't read the last, great. like, three, I guess I haven't read it since the annual, like, three or four issues ago. Yeah, after that, the end of that big arc, which is a bit of a rocky end, but, and it's uh, kind of a slow start, but now that it's led up to this point, like, it's, I don't know how... Kyle Higgins is really good at creating these, like, alternate reality Power Rangers. It really is a fantastic um, use of using, like, a property that was geared towards kids and then aging it yeah. with the kids. He's, and... Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a book that, like, 
we're only enjoying as much as we are because of the nostalgia, but like it's the best you could do with oh, that yeah. kind of nostalgia. Um, my only complaint with this book was that there, some of the deaths that happened was like the way they were paneled and shown skated like, over. I wasn't sure if they had like people had actually died. Yeah, I totally agree. I, and like I realized pretty quickly, but still, I was like. Oh, this guy got smashed with a rock. Like, does that hurt a power range? I don't know what their yeah. They've, it's never been really clearly defined, like what their like power levels are. But fuck, I love the Power Rangers, and I'd say Kyle Higgins doesn't always uh, consistently tell these great stories, but he has a lot of great ideas, and I think he gets them out on the pages really well and it's super fun to explore them yeah he's he's doing he's doing some real good work in here i think it's the best instance of like a childhood property being brought to adulthood absolutely and not leaning too heavy on nostalgia so um i'm gonna give i'm gonna give this one a 7.5 uh also i i think it was really good the art was not like like you said it's i didn't like it as much as the first like big Mm -hmm. chunk of the series artist but the, the writing is still good and it i think this one did the coolest sort of like cracking open of the Power Rangers mythos and yeah. giving this like, well, if you, thought, if you thought it was this way, maybe it was really this way. Yeah, just and like, yeah, not even like the mythos, but just, you know, Zordon not being like the all-knowing, always right, perfect. I like how is. much they've painted him as kind of a morally ambiguous character this yeah, series. Yeah, he's getting a little Charles Xavier. <laughs> yep, for sure. Great. Um Plus the cover is amazing. It really is good, and it's and it ties in with what goes on in the issue. It's perfect. Yeah, um, eight and a half. Nice, nice. I wish that I could get like Mike Allred doing like the Ultimates by you know like oh. by Al Ewing or something. Like <laughs> there's cool. like I want him to do the art in a mainstream book and have just like a mainstream book look way cooler yeah. than it normally could, or like a good DC book. Yeah, he's got this kind of rep as like you know the weird artist, like it does like. But like, and I resp- I like that he does the stuff he wants to do. Yeah, yeah. Fuck stuff. I love that he almost always works with his wife. I think that's so oh, cool that the two of them team up on these books, and that's that's just so special. That's what relationships How wonderful. should be like, right? Yeah, yeah. Listen, if anyone's not, never mind. I'm not going to say that. The sickness is getting to me right now. I can feel it, you guys. Are you going to say if anyone's not in a relationship, they're not as good as me. I would but love I decided to not to say it. You want to have a baby? Absolutely. Listen, I'm Jeff, and I'm about to be a proud father. I'll see you wow. guys next week. Yeah, you guys got married. Now you got a kid coming. I mean, I'm Brayden. Uh, I'm sorry I dropped so many F-bombs this episode. <laughs> did you? I didn't think you really did. Did you? Well, I'm, I'm Roman. I don't think I dropped any F-bombs this episode because Brayden used up the quote. <laughs>